You're listening to KBOO Portland. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, KBOO will be sticking to our regularly scheduled programming as much as possible, but there are some limitations that we're working with, so we appreciate your understanding and support. We are committed to keeping our staff, volunteers, and programmers safe and healthy, so we are transitioning to producing programs remotely. For updates on KBOO's response to the COVID-19 pandemic, visit our website at kboo.fm slash COVID-19. That's kboo.fm slash c-o-v-i-d-19. At KBOO, we think that all communities deserve to be fully informed on the policies and decisions that will impact their lives, and we need your help to make that happen. We're looking for citizen journalists to help collect, report, and broadcast the news. Do you think that there are groups that are underrepresented or marginalized by the mainstream media? Are you aware of social, political, or environmental activities that don't have adequate visibility? Are there important issues in your town or region that aren't getting coverage? This is your chance to give a voice to the voiceless. You don't have to have experience, and you don't have to come into KBOO's Portland studio. You can contribute from wherever you live. If you have some basic writing skills and a desire to get the word out, we want you. Just send an email with your idea and contact information to newsdirector, that's all one word, newsdirector at kboo.fm, and include the words citizen journalist in the subject line, and the news team will contact you. Once again, send that email to newsdirector at kboo.fm. Once again, good morning and happy Friday. This is Veterans Voice. His wife and family After serving in The conflict overseas And the time that he served Had shattered all his nerves And left a little shrapnel In his knee But the morphine eased the pain
Now, here's your host, Marvin. Portland calling. Sisters and brothers, welcome to Veteran Voice Radio Show on KBOO 90.7 FM here in Portland, 104.3 FM Corvallis, 91.9 FM Hood River, or on the World Wide Web at KBOO.FM. And you can hear our earlier shows, if you, if you want, on kboo.fm slash Veterans Voice, one word. I'm Marvin, and I want to thank Michael for engineering the show. Uh, Tammy's at home with her husband. They're both doing okay. Uh, I wasn't here last month because I had the flu, and I, it just beat me up. I went to the doctor and they did all the testing and everything, you know, because the about the COVID-19 and you know the flu and 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 uh, COVID-19 are nothing really alike. I mean, they're both viruses. But and I was I was waiting for the doctor to come back in. He came back in. He had a straight face and he says, "Good news, you got the flu." And I thought. That's the first time I've ever heard it. You know, I'm really glad I got the flu. Uh, John Prine just sang that song. I wanted to play it because uh, John Prine, uh, an Army veteran, passed away uh, a couple weeks ago. He's really a great singer, songwriter, and he uh, served in the Army in, in Germany during the Vietnam War. And Bill Withers, a Navy veteran who passed away, and uh, he, uh, I saw Bill Withers back in D.C. at the Vietnam Veterans March Against the War. I think it was 70, 71. And uh, he, he was just so great, just just a great singer. 
And I've been buying John Pine albums since the first one came out. I believe it was 1970, uh, early 90, uh, early 71. Um, I've been watching the news pretty heavy about what's going on. And in Hong Kong, I saw one of the best uh, anti—I mean, anti-propaganda—a propaganda poster that they had written. The, the students and the people of Hong Kong had written on a subway wall, and it says, "We're not going back to the normal. The normal is what got us to where we are now." And the same thing with us. We just cannot go back to the old normal because that's got us to where we are now. And you know, I've listened to a lot of shows on KBU and other other stations, and they and people are talking about that, that we don't want it to go back to the way it was because it's just not working for us people. Um, I was going to surprise my friend, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis was one of the students who was shot on May 4th back in Kent State University. He was, I believe Joe was the first one they shot. He was up front. Uh, I was gonna fly back uh, and to the 50th anniversary of that shooting at Kent State, but they've canceled them because of the uh, uh, coronavirus outbreak. And uh, so Joe's not gonna go and I'm not gonna get a surprise him by showing up but I just want you know want him to know that I'm thinking about him and uh, as usual I'll call him on the 4th or you know send him a message and I just wanted to you know let let people know that that has been cancelled I was going through some stuff and uh, the monkey that's sitting in the White House in the Oval Office that's owned by the People's House, this he's, Trump threatens to adjourn Congress to get his nominee, but likely would be impeded by the Senate rules. This guy is completely out of his mind. This guy... You know, something like that, when you hear something like that, you think about a dictator in the old Central American countries, you know, or like Duarte in the Philippines or whatever, you know, I want to shut the Senate down and we're going to do all this, you know. He has no respect for the Constitution. He has no respect for the working class people of this country to even come and say something like that. He's just not, you know, he just has no idea how to be even, you know, a country, uh, uh, the leader of a country. He's not the leader of this country. He has no idea what he's doing. He just bounces from one thing to another. He lies about everything. You know, we still have troops. He was going to get the troops out of Afghanistan and Iraq and all this, you know, and they're still over there. And they're having, the Navy just had the coronavirus on the USS uh, uh, Roosevelt, which is a nuclear uh, aircraft carrier, and they fired the captain because he came out and said, look, you got to do something about this. There's a, 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 there's a lot of, of this virus in the military, you know. 
I was reading the other day where 80% of all the Air Force bases in the United States have have the virus. So you know the Army and the, and the Marines and the Air Force have it if the Navy's got it. And, and this captain who was relieved of his duty off the USS Roosevelt, uh, he... Uh, you know, the two people who really gave him, got rid of him was both appointees. They weren't, you know, they weren't uh, Secretary of the Navy or, or or Secretary of Defense. I think they were both acting. So that's what Trump does. He has acting instead of getting them in there. And so there's, I read that they're thinking about putting the captain back in command of the of the Roosevelt. So that's kind of a good deal, I get. You know, I guess. I, I mean, I don't want those guys to be sick. And then when they land those ships in these ports, you know, they take them to those hospitals, and it's just going to be a terrible thing. Even here at the veterans' hospitals in this country, there's there's a, a uh, the virus is out. You know, the first one to die in Oregon was a veteran up at our veterans' hospital up on the hill. And the veterans' home, elderly home down in Lebanon, has veterans with the, that have the virus, and quite a few of our brothers down there have passed. And the soldiers' home in the Dalles, they have it too. I don't know how many have died there. And I, and some of the in these in these veterans' hospitals, some of the people working in the hospital and nurses and and doctors and all those that some of those folks have already died from from the virus. I have a friend, Christy, who works up on the hill. She's a respiratory therapist, and and I check with check on her, you know, almost every day to see, you know, how she's doing, and and uh, she's okay. But I still worry that something, you know, something's going to happen to her because she's a respiratory therapist, and and uh, she deals with that. And I'm just, you know, really hoping that she doesn't doesn't get that virus because she's she's a divorced mother of two daughters the daughters aren't home but still you know worry about her and and, uh, I'm just hoping that she's going to be fine but that virus is just everywhere and I was thinking about it you know when we think about the military a lot of people think that you know, the military is just a war-fighting machine, that the Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force, and all that, you know, they just go and fight wars, but there's a lot more to it than people think. Uh, there's, a, there's lots of intelligence units, medical units, all kinds of things. And as I was going through, I thought back, I was thinking back about what happened, uh, you know, weaponized uh, weaponize these disease, you know, these viruses and everything, because we know that anthrax has been uh, weaponized. Uh, in fact, that's what got me thinking about this was, uh, I don't remember exactly, I think it was in the 2000s where the uh, anthrax was sent to some, uh, I think a couple senators and some newspapers, and and I think a couple people died from that. And they finally traced it back to a man who was working at Fort Detrick, Maryland. And Fort Detrick 
in Maryland is where they do all this testing on stuff medical it does other things there too but this is the part where they te- they 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 do stuff like the testing with anthrax and different different uh viruses and stuff and that's where this virus the anthrax came from and that and i believe the guy who did it sold that sent it he passed away and i don't know if it was from anthrax or what it was from and I just thought, if you know that's happening, what else have they done? What else has came out of Fort Detrick? Fort Detrick is only one of the many uh, bases in uh, in uh, in Maryland. There's Aberdeen testing grounds and and uh, in Fort Meade, Maryland, which is Fort Meade is like an intelligence center. Uh, Arlington Hall stations there. I believe that might be in Virginia, but in Maryland, that whole area is just filled with all these different organizations that that you know different do different jobs and and uh, and they all work with the CIA and they all work for in with NSA and Fort Detrick has had a lot of problems in the past. You know they've had their uh, their uh, stuff shut down because of just sloppy sloppy testing and all that and you know and they used stuff that came out of Fort Detrick that was used by the CIA the the secret history of Fort Detrick the CIA base for mind control experiments and it says in 1954 a prison doctor in Kentucky isolated seven black inmates and fed them double triple and quadruple doses of LSD for 77 days straight. You know, these guys had no idea what was going on. No idea that they were being put through all this stuff. And, you know, like the Tuskegee, I think it's Tus- Tuskegee, uh, organi- uh, where they they gave uh, the folks uh, syphilis and, t- and, and followed them through their cysts. For the for the syphilis in gonorrhea, I believe it was gonorrhea or, or syphilis, but it doesn't matter. They did it, and they didn't know they did it. Just like these prisoners didn't know what was happening to them. You know, at the Aberdeen testing grounds is where they had volunteers, military volunteers, would come in and they'd be tested for for different things. And one of the, you know they did a lot of testing for things like boots and weapons and different things like that. But they also tested them with mustard gas and for LSD and for other things, you know, to see, you know, what the human body could take. But the military guys, they they gave consent. Where these other people, they didn't give consent, and they and they, a lot of them paid a horrible, horrible price, you know. But the U.S. I'm going to go back into this, but you know, I I just want to say that the U.S. isn't the only one that, uh, only country that does it. You know, during the war, China was doing it, uh, Japan, Russia. You know, I don't know about England, but I'm pretty sure they probably were. And they were, they do all these tests, and, and then they try to destroy all the records and stuff, but it, it, it comes out later what they were doing. 
1942, alarmed by reports that Japanese forces were waging uh, germ warfare in China, the Army decided to launch a secret program to develop biological weapons. It hired a University of Wisconsin biochemist, Ira Baldwin, to run the program and asked him to find a site for a new bioresearch uh, complex. Baldwin chose the mostly, the mostly abandoned National Guard base uh, below, I can't even say that, mountain. It, well, it's, it's uh, Fort Detrick is where it is. On March 9, 1943, the Army announced that it had renamed named it Camp Dietrich, and it was later changed to uh, Fort Dietrich. It's Army, uh, uh, excuse me, Army Biological Warfare Warfare Laboratories, and purchased several adjacent farms to f- provide extra room. After World War II, Dietrich faded in importance. The reason was simple: the United States had nuclear weapons, so developing biological ones no longer seemed urgent. As the Cold War began, however, two seemingly unrelated developments on opposite sides of the world stunned the newly created Central Intelligence Agency and gave Fort Detrick a new mission. The first was a trial of the Roman Catholic primate primate of Hungary, Joseph Cardinal Manzenti, for treason in 1949. At the trial, the cardinal appeared disoriented, spoke in a monotone, and confessed to crimes he had evidently not committed. Then after the Korean War ended, it was revealed that many American prisoners had signed statements criticizing the United States, in some cases confessing to war crimes. The CIA came up with the same explanation for both, brainwashing, communists, the CIA concluded must have developed a drug or technique to enable them to control human minds. But no evidence was ever, you know, emerged that 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 had really happened. In the spring of 1949, the Army created a small, super-secret team of chemists that uh, Fort Dutcher called the Special Operations Division. The assignment was to find military uses for toxic bacteria. The use of toxins was a new field, and the chemists at the Special Operations Division had to decide how to begin their research. At the same time, CIA had just established its own corps of chemical magicians. CIA officers in Europe and Asia were regularly uh, capturing suspected enemy agents and wanted to develop new ways to draw prisoners in interrogations away from their identities, including them to reveal secrets and perhaps even program them to commit acts against their will. Alan Dulles, who was a horrible person, Alan Dulles, he, uh, who ran the CIA Covert Operations uh, Directorate and would soon be promoted to director, uh, direct the CIA, considered his mind control project, first named Bluebird, then Artichoke, and then MK Ultra, to be uh, supreme importance, the difference between survival and extinction of the United States. So when they do these programs, they always come up and they have these wonderful names and all this, and then they do these just horrific, horrible, horrible experiments on people. And... uh, just you think about it it just 
1951, Dulles hired a chemist to design and oversee a systematic search for the key to mind control. This is nothing. Wait till I tell you about what, what else the CIA did in the Army. Army did, and this has to do with New York City. But we're, I'm, I'm going to finish off this first. I've got so much more of this stuff that's going on, that's going on, and you know it's still going on. Okay. The man he chose was Sidney Gottlieb, uh, was not part of the Silver Spoon aristocracy from which most uh, officers of the early CIA was reunited, but a 33-year-old uh, Jewish man from an immigrant family who limped and stuttered. He also meditated and lived in a remote cabin without running water and rose before dawn to milk his goats. Kind of sounded like a unibomber there, didn't it? And he came up with these ideas. He wanted to use uh, Fort Dietrich assets to propel his mind control project to new heights. He asked Dulles to, uh, to negotiate an accord that would formalize the connection between the military and the CIA in this pursuit. Under the agreement provisions, according to a later report, CIA acquired the knowledge, skill, and facilities of the Army to develop biological weapons suited for CIA use. Let that sink in there for a minute, huh? Some scientists outside of the, the tight-knit group suspected what was happening. Do you know what a self-contained, off-the-shelf operation means? One of them asked years later, the CIA was running one in my lab. They were testing uh, psychochemicals and running experiments in my lab and weren't telling me. His victims were were uh, prisoners in secret detention centers. Kind of reminds you of what they did, you know, not too long ago. Secret de detention centers, you know, black sites. One of those centers built in the basement in the former villa in the German town of Kroberg might have been the first secret CIA prison. While CIA scientists and their former Nazi comrades set before a stone fireplace discussing the techniques of mind control, printers in basement cells were being prepared as subjects in brutal and sometimes fatal experiments. What the U.S. did after World War II, uh, they had this big uh, roundup. They were going against the Russians to get all these scientists and these doctors and, and, and you know, like, to uh, that were doing all the experiments, and they wanted them to, you know, and they gave them, you know, freedom. That's like the guy that did the rocket test. Uh, I can't remember his name, but uh, he was the guy that did the, U the V2 rockets and stuff that went in that bombed uh, England, and they made a mad dash for him after World War II to get him, and they brought him to the states, and he's the one that, you know, NASA. In NASA, but he killed how many? You know, people in England, civilians with his V2 rockets, and here he, he came. You know, sitting in our country, developing this crap. You know, to go after, after people, and you know, these were the most gruesome experiments the U.S. government ever conducted on human beings. 
In one of them, seven prisoners in Lexington, Kentucky, were given multiple doses of, L- I just talked about, LSD for 77 days straight, and another captured North Korean was given depressant drugs, then dosed with potent stimulants and exposed to intense heat and electric shock uh, while they were in the uh, weakened state of transition. These experiments destroyed many minds and caused an unknown number of deaths. Many of the potions, pills, and aerosol administered to, to victims were created at Fort Detrick, which is the one we've been talking about. Uh, one of the most well-known victims of the MK Ultra experiment was Frank Olson. Olson was a CIA officer who had spent his entire career at Dietrich and knew the deepest secrets. When he began musing about quitting the CIA, his comrades saw a security threat. Uh, Golub summoned the team to a retreat and arranged for Olson to be drugged with LSD. A week later, Olson died in a plunge from a hotel window in New York City. The CIA called it a suicide. A suicide. Uh, Olson's family believed he was thrown from the window to prevent him from revealing what was bringing uh, inside that Camp Dietrich. The decade of intense experiments taught Golib that there are indeed ways to destroy a human mind. He, however, he never, however, found a way to implant a new mind in the resulting void. So what he wanted to do was just delete everything and then reprogram the mind, and and he could never do that. that. These are crimes against humanity. The conclusion from all these activities, he admitted afterward, was that there was a very that it was very difficult to manipulate human behavior in this way. Nevertheless, Fort Detrick, as it was renamed, I've been calling it Fort D. It was Camp, uh, remained uh, his chemical base. After the end of MK Ultra, he used it to develop and store CIA arsenal of poisons. In his freezer, he kept a biological agent that could cause diseases, including smallpox, tuberculosis, and anthrax, as well as a number of organic toxins, including snake venom, uh, paralytic uh, shellfish poison. He developed poisons intended to kill Cuban leader Fidel Castro and Congolese leader Patrice Mumbambe. I think... Now, uh, Michael, now I think uh, we'll go ahead and play the second song that uh, I asked you to play for me. It's another John Prine song. It's called Your Flag Decal Won't Get You Into Heaven Anymore. Reader's Digest in the back of the dirty bookstore. A plastic flag with gum on the back fell out on the floor. Well, I picked it up and I ran outside. Slapped it on my window shield And if I could see old Betsy Ross I'd tell her how good I feel But your flag decal won't get you Into heaven anymore They're already overcrowded From your dirty little war Now Jesus don't like killing No matter what the reason's for And your flag decal won't get you 
Christmas club will give you ten of them flags for free. Well, I didn't mess around a bit. I took him up on what he said. And I stuck them stickers all over my car and one on my wife's forehead. But your flag cow won't get you into heaven anymore. They're already overcrowded from your dirty Flag the cow won't get you into heaven anymore. We're already overcrowded from your dirty little war. Now Jesus don't like killing, no matter what the reason's for. And your flag the cow won't get you into heaven anymore. I was going to, I've already talked to to you about the, it was in 2001 anthrax attack timeline, and it says that five died from these letters that were being mailed. So five people did die from the anthrax that they traced back to Fort Detrick. So I thought I'd mention that to you. Uh, this is something that is really, really, especially what was going on in, in New York right now, with the with the so many many people dying from uh, this coronavirus, uh, I heard a, 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 that in one day 800 people died of it. I don't know how many people have died since that. You know, and the whole country is just just being you know just so much death coming from this virus. The army tested germ warfare warfare on the New York City subway by smashing light bulbs full of bacteria. On June 6, 1966, a group of U.S. Army scientists made their way into the 7th and 8th Avenue lines of the New York City subway. Some carried air sampling machines in boxes on bells and others carried light bulbs. The light bulbs were packed with about 150, 175 milligrams uh, no, 175 grams of Bacillus subtilis bacteria, uh, better known as Bacillus globigii, G-L-O-B-I-G-I-L, approximately 87 trillion organisms in each. The plan was to shatter them and then use the sample, sampling machines to see how they spread, spread throughout the 
tunnels and the trains. The, while the people were, were who contacted the experiments did so under the belief that the bacteria species they used were harmless, it has since been revealed that they can be that they cause uh, health problems. You know, under the Nuremberg uh, Code, it's against the law to that they you know that they just can't do that they have to inform and uh, people that what's going to happen and they did they had no plans on even letting the people of New York City know what was going to happen to them okay and while the people who conducted the experiments did so under the belief that the bacterial species they used were harmless it has since been revealed that they can cause health problems they're all considered pathogens now says Leonard Cole, the director of the Terror Medicine and Security Program at Rutgers New Jersey Medical School, who documented the experiments in his book, Clouds of Secrecy, the Army Germ Warfare Test Over Populated Areas. In the paper from the National Academy of Science Analyzing Military Experiments noted that the uh, Basilicus is now considered a pathogen and is often a cause of food poisoning. Infections are rare, are rarely known to be fatal, the report said, though uh, fatal cases have occurred. You know, that's kind of scary. The New York experiments were some of the most shocking ones that occurred in terms of people exposed. During peak hours, these bacteria were dropped. If you you get uh, trains of bacteria into a light bulb and throw it on the track as the train pulls into a station. They'll get pulled through the air as the train leaves. I'm sorry, I'm reading this and I have a phone in one hand. And the Army came to a very conclusion which is documented in a report titled A Study of the New York Subway Passengers in New York City to covert attacks with biological agents. They wrote that clouds engulfed people as trains pulled away, that they brushed their clothing, looked up at a grating apron, and walked on. No one was concerned. Army scientists concluded that, that it took between 4 and 13 minutes for train passengers to be exposed to the bacteria. Five minutes after bacteria is released at 23rd sta uh, Street Station, the bacteria could be detected at every station between 14th Street, Street and 59th Street, according to the report. Between June 6th and June 10th, they, calcul uh, they calculated that more than a million people were exposed. A million people exposed for this experiment that they thought was just fine. The germ warfare testing program was revealed by a news report in the early 1970 and then by subsequent Freedom of Information Act requests. Scientists who had been involved with the program were called to testify before Congress. Army scientist uh, Sensei, Charles Sensei, was one of those called to testify in 1975. He told a Senate subcommittee that the city official had no idea the test occurred. According to a New York Daily News report that cites his testimony, he said that more dangerous agents would have put New York out of commission. 
1995 Newsday story, which is not available online. Reporter Dennis Duggan contacted a retired Sensei who declined to tell him anything more about it. I don't want to get near this, he said. He said to Duggan, I testified because I was told I had to by the people of the Department of Defense. I'd better get off the phone. So I don't think they're telling everything to you. I don't think so. Cole cites some declassified documents that discuss the New York uh, test in his book. Everybody writes a book. How could you write a book about making people sick? The report co- uh, conclusion is chilling. Test, re- test results show that a large portion of the working population in downtown New York City would be exposed to diseases if one or more pathogenic agents were disseminated covertly in several subway lines at a period of peak traffic. Peak traffic. And that's the story about New York City. But, you know, while these were going on, other experiments were going on also about the, uh, about, uh, Experiments on 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 people with without them really knowing and and how many do we not know about? You know, look at what they done. Look what they did to to soldiers uh, down at the Nevada test site when they blew up, blew these uh, nuclear weapons and walked the, uh, the soldiers into it. You know, Bill Byers who used to be on the show with me for I don't know how many years before Bill passed away. Uh, he was down there at the test site, and I used to go to meetings with him, and uh, at the uh, atomic veterans meetings. And as these guys were getting older, their immune systems were getting weaker, and they were getting more more of these weird uh, cancers and and things. So, and that group, you know, really went down pretty fast as they got older. They're their cancers became worse, and 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 they uh, they all passed away. And then when you think about uh, in Vietnam with Agent Orange, you know Agent Orange, they knew what Agent Orange did to people before they ever sprayed it because it was tested. In fact, I think they did some of the testing over on the Oregon coast, if I remember right. And then they denied it for years and years and years and years that Agent Orange caused cancers and these and other diseases. And it was it's finally you know they finally had to take uh, responsibility for that because uh, veterans Vietnam veterans wouldn't put up with it, you know. And they started doing freedom of information and protests and you know going after congressmen to to get out this information act. And it's like pulling teeth to get these this government to, you know, acknowledge that they 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 harmed veterans. You know, not only did Agent Orange harm American American veterans, it harmed the people of Vietnam. After the war, so many people, you know, were children were were they were having a lot of of uh, uh, still births, you know, they were having a lot of cancers, these cancers that they'd never had in Vietnam before. They have, you know, there's hospitals in Vietnam after the war with all these children that were so crippled up and 
deformed from Agent Orange. But they keep doing, you know. And then when they had to clean up the sites, you know, they, the U.S. government whined and cried about how much it was going to cost them and everything, and and they were forced they had to do it. I saw a picture of a cleanup crew, and I think it was Da Nang Air Base. And here was this Vietnamese woman cleaning out these barrels that had Agent Orange in them. She did have rubber boots on, but she had no gloves, and she had no face protection. And here she was cleaning out those those Agent Orange 55-gallon cans. And I believe some of them they brought back, and they burned it on a ship out in the sea, an incinerator ship, that they burned some of the Agent Orange out in the, out in the, in the ocean. But, you know, to, to this day, right now there's some uh, diseases that scientists have shown causes, you know, causes cancers and stuff in, in veterans, and, it, and they just cannot, you know, it takes them so long for them to admit it and uh, the saying that we used to have is, as soon as we die, we're all died off, then they'll come out and say, you know, all of these caused it, you know, but that time we're already dead. So, you know, it's continue. And after the, after, well, this never-ending Gulf War, when these guys, men and women, this time women soldiers, because there's more women soldiers fighting in these stupid wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, than ever before, and they came home and they had Gulf War syndrome, and the government is still fighting over that one. You know, they had to burn pits, but they were burning all this stuff in these pits, and uh, guys, men and women were have gotten sick because of that, and they're fighting with that. So they just, you know, the casualties of war doesn't stop when the bullets stop flying. It's not over yet, you know. Well, you can look like like John Prine just said, you know, you get a flag-draped coffin. Uh, spying on coronavirus, a little-known U.S. intelligence outfit has its most important mission yet. The National Center for Medical Intelligence, an obscure patch of the U.S. spy world, is in the midst of one of the most important missions in its history. Uh, there's a picture of these doctors working on uh, on some of this stuff, and they're all they're all wow, man! They have got they look like space people with all this stuff. Washington last month, well before the World Health Organization detected uh, COVID nineteen, a global pandemic, a little known unit within the Defense Intelligence Agency had already predicted that the outbreak would reach pandemic proportion. And didn't Trump say there's no problem early on? Didn't he say there's no problem? This guy that could care less about the people of the the United States? The warning came from the National Center for Medical Intelligence. A senior defense official told NBC News, the NCMI, as it is known, is an obscure patch of the U.S. spying uh, community that is now in the midst of one of the most important missions in its history. The first warnings, the the warning was first reported by Newsweek. 
the NCMI is the intelligence community's eyes and ears when it comes to global disease outbreak. With this, while the CIA also has a medical intelligence unit, current and former officials said the NCMI, the headquarters at Fort Detrick, Maryland, is clearly ground uh, is the clearing ground for classified information and analysis related to coronavirus outbreak. The Trump administration declined a request to tour the facility and interview the leaders. Former officials and outside experts say the NCMI called upon, calls upon all sources of intelligence from communications intercepts to satellite imagery to human source reporting to seek answers that elude public health authorities, including whether foreign governments are lying about the extent and nature of the disease in their countries. It also combs open sources such as social media. How many people knew that there was such a thing as that? I don't think very many Americans even heard of this this place. The value that NCMI brings is that it has access to information streams that the World Health Organization does not have, nor does the Center for Disease Control or anyone else at Dennis Kaufman, a retired senior officer who worked at the NCMI. The NCMI employees uh, employs a multidisciplinary team of virologists, epidemiologists, toxicologists, medical doctors, veterinarians, and other experts with extensive operational medical experiments from military services. Fort Detrick told you. The nor- in normal times, the N- NCMI primary uh, customer is the U.S. military, which uses the information to monitor potential health threats to its forces abroad. But in the midst of a pandemic, NCMI analysis is likely to fix uh, is a likely fixture in the president's daily intelligence briefing. Officials say the NCMI would have been monitoring the virus beginning in Wuhan, China, including the Chinese government's efforts to cover up what was happening, the experts say. That kind of, that kind, uh, that's the kind of their rationale. They would definitely want to know, they would definitely want to know and try to find out what foreign governments really knew about what was going on, says John, uh, Jonathan Clemente, a physician who was invited, who was visited and written about the NCMI. Now the NC, NCMI would be gathering information on everything from strains on hospitals in Italy to signs of the viruses in Syrian refugee camps. Anthony Russo, a former NCMI director, told an interview in 2013 our job was to predict what would be a threat to the United States. What I'm most proud of is having been part of protecting the country from threats that people will, will never have known we faced. A classified document leaked by Edward Snowden and published by The Intercept in 2016 shows that the NCMI teamed up with the National Security, National Security Agency the digital spying behemoth, together medical sig- 
net, which is signal intelligence. They were monitoring a government t t term for the f fruits of hacking and eavesdropping. Topics of interest included SARS in China, chloria in Lib Liberia, dysentery, polio, and cholera in Iraq, according to the uh, classified internal documents leaked by Snowden. The NSA and its intelligence agency partners researched the effects of the epidemic on state security apparatus. Uh, media coverage of the disease, the political and economic impacts of its spread, and the impact of SARS on the readiness of Chinese People's Army, Liber uh, the Chinese People's Liberation Army, according to NSA documents about SARS conference published uh, about the intercept in 2016. I think SARS was uh, bird flu, if I remember right. We were, Laurel and I were living in, in Hanoi when that broke out. NBC News had previously reported that intelligence community had been warning about the risk of COVID-19 style pandemic for years in annual threat assessments presented to Congress. The most recent worldwide threat assessment put out in January 2019 by the Office of the Director of National Intelligence included language of global health that was more pointed than in the previous years. We assess that the United States and the world will remain vulnerable to the next flu pandemic or large-scale outbreak of a contagious disease that could lead to massive rates of death, disability, severely affect the world economy, strains international resources, and, and increased calls on the United States for support. And I think that didn't Trump just say he's not going to uh, support the World Health Organization. Yeah, what a guy. No public threats hearing has been held in 2020, in part because intelligence officials badly want to avoid speaking truth they know will offend Trump. Multiple current and former officials familiar with the matter told NBC. You know, the, they... Uh, uh, Exactly what the NCMI is now saying about the global risk of coronavirus, the possible economic impact, and the potential death toll is not something that Trump, uh, they say administration, I say regime, is, pre is prepared to make public. And that's that one. And there's another one that talks about National Center for Medical Intelligence at Fort Detrick, Maryland, tracked, warned of the new coronavirus. You know, I've only got six more minutes to talk about this, but I think you're getting the idea that they knew that this was happening. They knew what it was going to do. They knew where it was come from. And Trump and his cronies, you know, now they're trying to, you know, take our mind away from what's happening and start delaying, laying stuff on China. You know, they said it was a China vi uh, virus. But what was the uh, Spanish flu? That was an American flu. It started at outside of Fort Riley, Kansas, because there was a big, huge pig farm right next to the 
training bases. So these guys were sick before they were even sent over to Europe. When they were sent over to Europe, it's when they all became really, really ill, and they just passed it on to everybody else. And then when it just spread all over Europe, and then they came back here and they were sick, and they spread it all across the United States. You know, so many people died from the American flu of 1918, you know, and that's just like this government, you know, they, China flu, Spanish flu, you know, all the things, they never take responsibility for what they've done. And, you know, stuff I've been telling you about, stuff we've been talking about, is just proof that they do that, that they do that. We cannot let this country go back into the old normal. You know, just like the people of Hong Kong, they said, we're not going to go back to the old normal because it's where we got us to where we are now, and that's exactly what's happening in our country. More and more and more and more people are starting to realize that the old normal is making us sick and killing a lot of people. Uh, I want to end this with, I just want to... Uh, say that there's still trouble in the South China Sea. Uh, China just, uh, Coast Guard just rammed some Vietnamese fishing boats and sunk them. Uh, there's still really, tensions are really high in the South China Sea, and that's really maybe a flashpoint. We really, really need to watch that, watch that and, and can you to continue to watch what's going on in the South China Sea, because that could drag, drag us into another war uh, that's going to be I mean, it's not against a small country like Vietnam or Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria or wherever. Uh, this is against a huge country with nuclear weapons, a huge army, and it'll be fighting in their backyard. So we need to really watch out about that. Uh, we'll be back uh, on May 15th at 9 a.m., and there it is. Michael, I want to thank you again for helping me out today. And I Thank guess, you, Marvin. Yeah, thanks, buddy. And uh, I'll see everybody uh, next month. Bye. Put on my slippers. I walked in the kitchen and died. And oh, what a feeling when my soul went through the ceiling. And on up into heaven I did ride When I got there they did say John it happened this way You slipped upon the floor and hit your head And all the angels say Just before you passed away That these were the very last words that you said Please don't bury me Down in the cold cold ground no, I'd rather have them cut me up and pass me all around Throw my brain in a hurricane, the blind could have my eyes And the deaf could take both of my ears if they don't mind the size Get my stomach to Milwaukee if they run out of beer. Put my socks in a cedar box just to get them out of here. A Venus to Milo can have my arms. Look out, I got your nose. 
Sell my heart to the junk man and give my love to Rose. But please don't bury me down in the cocoa ground. I'd rather have them cut me up and pass me all around. Throw my brain in a hurricane. The blind could have my eyes and the deaf could take both of my ears if they don't mind the size. Oh, man. When we're living in the White House and the 